0: Of this thing, no title again. I'm that a little money. Is it rolling, Bob?
1: Okay. Welcome to Dixon Jane's podcast number nine hundred and thirty-two. Uh, yeah, I am down in my uh, basement bar library. I never, um, rarely ever podcast from here, and, I, and I'm not sure why. I just don't come back down to the basement much anymore, and it's, it's a great place. If I had visitors coming, you know, people wanting to come over for a drink, maybe get a little high, this would be the place to do it, not the living room, but I spent all my time in my recliner, in the living room, in front of that dirty big TV. Like, that's where I sit. That's it's, that's the place in the house. You know, if I'm not lying in bed, that's where I am. Or I'm out in the road track in the driveway. And I really should be coming down here. It, it And I don't, I didn't entirely know why I'm not. As I look around me, you know, it's just such a great place. And it's got... All my beloved things down here. These things I always talk about having to get rid of. I mean, I'm looking. There's like the overload shelf of that's like mainly Beatles books on the Beatles, and uh, I see a Beatles mug and a little figurine of John Lennon and a lot of stuff. My father's old VE2YP license plates on one wall. Uh, Post giant postcards like you know these are what. Uh, six-inch by nine-inch maybe cards of graphic figures. They almost look like things you'd see on a set of tarot cards that I had when I had my very first apartment in North Vancouver on uh, West 2nd and Lonsdale. So that was like 1974. Here it is, 2023. Uh, And I still have them, and they're up there. I don't look at them often. I, I'm just in my other recliner now, and I'm looking up against them, and I think those are those are treasured things. And this is the place when I was going to do a, a YouTube. You know, I did a few episodes. It's high time I did another one. I got all these fancy ideas of how I could get it almost professionally done, and put my stuff up to really sell. And, of course, that was just one of those ideas that when you get high, it seems brilliant. And uh, then later on, when you think it through, nah, not really that great an idea. Um, I've got the bar that I bought from Ikea. It's a very, very nice bar. And it's lined with album covers. Axis Bold is Love, uh, T-Rex, Johnny Cash's first album, uh, Dylan Highway 61 Revisited, Zabriskie Point. Uh David Boy Pinups and David Boy hunky dory. And they're up as artwork on the front of the bar. It's it's lovely. It's just fucking lovely. Uh a goose, a white goose lamp, uh which was my wife's, came from Japan. And I'm just thrilled to have that. I want my son to have that, or one of them. I, I think Kenji would appreciate it more than Dan. A Buddha beside it. That uh, if you turn it on, water flows over. uh, There's a light in this little ball that he's holding and water flows over it. It's, oh my God. And then, oh my God, there's one, two, three racks. No, like many racks of cassette tapes and all my Nigerian stuff. And my beer bottle and beer can collection, and then all the things in the bar that I've talked about, and then beside me on this side, I'm eye level with the Kerouac shelf, and these are all the biograph, all the books by Kerouac, including multiple copies of many of them, and then um, like Desolation Angels, how many? One, two, three copies of that, uh, just. You know why? Why don't I get away from the TV and come down here and pick up one of these books and read all? Oh, it's my God! The biography section for Kerouac is just amazing. And then behind that, stuff from the '60s, the Electric Kool-Aid Acid Test. You know, oh, the groovy side of the '60s is the Hundredth Monkey, Eldridge Cleaver, West of Eden. And then the Burroughs and Ginsburg Library. Uh, And then it just goes on and on. It's absolutely marvelous. Why in the hell don't I spend more time down here? It's crazy. I've got incense. Make this a place, man. Make this a place. Use it again. I used to have a foosball table. My wife wanted to get rid of it. And I regret it now. We gave it to our next-door neighbors. They had two kids. And I thought, well, all right, we're not just going to throw the damn thing out. But I wish it was still here and I could have a game with either of my sons, you know? And, but, no, well, she just thought it was just, you know, time to get rid of stuff. And I, I just, I caved in and got rid of it and I shouldn't have. The dartboard is still up. That's okay. The wall behind it is just nothing but holes from darts that miss the board entirely. That's Okay. huge Kerouac poster on the wall. Uh, And then a shelf over the fireplace. And again, the fireplace, I rarely ever use. The kids wanted me to more, and for some reason, I just rarely ever had a fire down here. Like, you know, I can think maybe half a dozen times in in the 30 years we've been here. Well, not quite 30, but... Um, leaning against it, a steam whistle, brass steam whistle from a ship and a ship's steering wheel, probably from a tug that my father would have dredged up or would have been, they would have been dredged up when they were digging the St. Lawrence Seaway. Those are artifacts. That's a bit of Canadian history in the St. Lawrence Seaway, the, the channel that they, he was responsible for outside Valleyfield. Back in the fifties, until it was open in fifty eight, he had an old brass bell, and uh, which I think he gave to a neighbor. And somehow I ended up with the uh, the steering wheel and this steam whistle. I mean that that's wow, that's stuff, man. <laughs> I got stuff. I'm telling you. That's why I really should get back to video form. But I'm, I'm sort of wishing. I, I sort of wish I had a helper. Somebody else was videotaping me doing it, rather than setting up a tripod, putting the camera up, and talking to it. I don't know. I don't know. I'll get back to that sometime. Anyway, welcome to the start of uh, Dixon Jane's. I was determined, and it was funny. It was just something I knew when I woke up. Like uh, yesterday, I was going to record, and I just I went shopping instead. Went grocery shopping, made my wife a nice meal. Uh, I bought some already tandoori spiced chicken. Bake those. Bought some basmati rice we never have, just for a change. Pack of carrots and did them her way. You know, you boil them up, not so that they're still really crunchy, and then fry them up in a little butter and maple syrup. And uh, she was just delighted to have a house, uh, to have a house, to have a, a supper waiting for her, and leftovers she could take to work today. So that was good. And tonight I've got a roast pork, and I'm going to do that with the uh, some potatoes baked in the oven. So I'm doing a lot more in terms of you know taking care of meals now and uh, I'm I'm getting I'm I'm slowly improving I think as a person um you know that's probably open for debate but I think I'm I'm heading in the right direction and she seems to think so. Uh, she was just very pleased. I got a little text message from her and it was just thank you for cleaning my car windows this morning and it was just such a small thing but meant so much that I would, I'd get up. I, I'm going to go through my daily routine here. This is the next segue, segment anyway. I'm up and out of bed and downstairs anytime between 7 and 8. Never later than that. Nalco goes off to work at 9.00. And so I want to be up and we'll have coffee, but she sits in the kitchen. She has her own breakfast, her style, and she's got her iPad open and she's watching Japanese TV from that evening, right? Cause they're ahead of us. So she's, she's in her Japanese world and we sort of link together over, you know, who's going to feed the cat or let her in or let her out. Uh, we all so dearly love the cat and, um, so that this sort of it, and I, I, I put on the news and I sit in my recliner and uh, we have our coffee and the day begins. And then lately, I have been, I've been learning to get away from the news and I'm watching Netflix and Prime, and there are so many good ones. You've heard me in the past several podcasts, I keep talking about these new series. Well, I got a new one thanks to John Meadows called Dark. It's a German one, but, uh, subtitles and it's about a, 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 time, time travel. And it's, it's really, I'm really having to work hard to keep up with what's happening and who, who is who, but it's wonderful. And, uh, so I'm only up to season two, episode six in season one, I understand there's three seasons, so I'm thrilled about that. And so I can spend, you know, I can watch two or three episodes and just sitting there with a coffee after I do Wordle. Um, and, you know, go through my email and social media crap. And then next thing you know, it's almost lunchtime. Well, okay, I, I'll go and I'll have my shower because I can't start any day without a shower. I have a shower every single morning, and but it's always after I've had some breakfast and coffee and stuff and get dressed and then see if there's anything I really have to do that day, like grocery shopping or visiting Bluffers Park. Who knows? But today, the message is saying, like, Clayton, you've got to record a clip. And it's got to be from the basement. Like I just knew I had no choice in the matter. I'm here where I'm sitting right now because that thought pattern was just so strong from when I woke up. No, you're going to record and you're not going to do it in the road truck. You are going to do it in the basement. Like I'm here because I made myself come here because a part of my brain absolutely insisted this is the only place you can podcast from today. You can't either you have to. And again, it's not have to, I don't want to, but, oh, thank you for telling me where to podcast from. Good. I'm glad we're working together on this. You know, a part of me telling another part of me what I have to do and where I have to do it. Hey, thank you. Appreciate that. Let's let's keep working together. Speaking of which, next topic, beautiful segue. Thank you. Um, my son and I fixed the closet door. Fixed the closet door. Now... The door had a problem. Um, it's one of these wooden louvered folding doors, and it sort of slides along a track. And the door sort of, uh, to open it, you sort of push it, and the door folds in flat into two pieces. The two things come together flat, and you've opened full access to the whole closet. Where, you remember, I used to have an orange coat in there I told you about? That's gone now. Thank you. I'm I'm over that now. I'm glad I gave away that jacket. Um Anyway, this door for some reason we kept coming off its track, and then you couldn't close it without making horrible wood sounds. Like something's going to break here any time now. And I think a little piece came off, and eh, I just couldn't. And so it was really I've got I've got scars on my hand from being pinched by the door. Uh, you know. It was like the old garage door before we got that replaced, which, by the way, is not functioning properly yet. But that's another story. This time, I it was just it was a real fuss to open and close that door. Like it really, it came off the track. It, it was just you didn't want to. You didn't ever want to have to go into the closet because that door was such a mess. And you know I told I, Noko, I guess I had done something that I had fixed and she said yeah well what did I fix something in the kitchen I think I fixed but, <laughs> but it just reminded her yeah well the the closet door is not fixed and of course that's usually when I make a fuss yeah but focus on the good things that I do they're not the bad things anyway I had decided uh, Daniel and I would fix that together she had seemed to think that I should have been able to fix it on my own, setting example, but I knew, no, no, this is something my son and I have to do together. And so last night, you know, before he we went to bed, okay, tomorrow we got a job, we got to fix that door. Well, we, we did. It was If you had filmed it, it would have been quite funny. The number of mistakes, the, the dropping of things, looking for tools in the basement, in the garage, in the road track, like any other proper, you know, you're your Mr. Fix-It types would have all their tools, they'd know exactly where they were and what to get. This involved two trips to the garage, a trip to the road track, and about three trips downstairs to the basement to get. In the end, it turned out all we needed was, well, we needed a power drill, uh, a screw, and a Robert's head screwdriver. That's what we needed in the end. And eventually we got those things together. Could not fix the door the way it was originally working but we together in within about a half an hour we found a workaround now if we just drill a hole and drive a screw in there originally i was going to just pound a nail in and that didn't work and if we, no no we'll drill through this little metal bar into the wood and listen to it splinter Uh oh, and then we'll get a, a a screw and we'll screw that in and stop this thing from sliding out of place anyway it worked it worked We were both quite pleased. We were both laughing at the end because it really was quite funny. And shook hands that, good, together we fixed it. And so I'm happy about that. That was a good thing. And that's something we can both feel good about. So, all right. Oh, my God, 15 minutes. I haven't even started. I was going to tell you um, about one thing, uh, Diggy Stardust. Diggy Stardust. Now, you know Ziggy Stardust, of course, which is what makes this funny. Diggy Stardust is the name of this giant drill that they're using to build the Scarborough Subway extension. They've called it Diggy Stardust. It's a huge project. It will not be complete until 2030. And, of course, that's what they're saying now in 2023, which means add at least another two years. I may not be alive to see this thing. But it is the promised Scarborough subway extension. The subway ends at Kennedy, which is just sort of like the beginning edge of Scarborough. And there's a whole lot more Scarborough after Kennedy. And um, so every mayor has always promised that, and people fight back. And there were all kinds of things, you know, that promises made and never kept. But here we are. It's actually started. So there is going to be a a tunneling connecting, a tunneling works for the 7.8-kilometer subway extension from Kennedy Station to McCowan Road, uh and Lawrence, which is very close, walking distance from where we live, so that'll be very convenient. Uh, Scarborough Town Centre, the main shopping mall here. And then eventually Shepherd Avenue, and eventually that will link with the Shepherd Line extension, but that's another project that's not even in the works yet. So um, it, it's, it's great. It's going to extend this thing almost eight kilometers further into Scarborough. And, uh, running it out of, um, Kennedy station it is wonderful because right now that's the meeting point at the end of the line. That's where really the odd stabbing and beating happens. Uh, so having stabbings and beatings closer to home has to be good. Um, and that's going to replace line three. So anyway, there's your Scarborough news. I should do, as I am the Scarborough dude, I should be doing Scarborough news update, uh, Every episode, I just thought you'd like to hear about Diggy Stardust. Uh, dark was the door, dark and door. So I guess I've covered everything. Oh, three Ds, Diggy Stardust, Dark—that's the uh, Netflix series John recommended. It's well worth watching. And door, which you've just done. That's all. That's all I've got for notes. So there you are, Scarborough dude, coming to you from his basement bar. I could read out. Uh, but you know, well, here some of the the bottom line is an interesting. This is a really interesting shelf. This has got the whole Carlos Castaneda series. Like he's fallen out of fever now. But uh, a separate reality, a yakky way of knowledge. Uh, there's the drug experience. The art of what is this? The art of thinking. The secret life of plants. Um, person to person. What's this here? Well, Jonathan Livingston Siegel, The Medium is the Message, Anthony would love that, Anthony and Dave. Um, existentialism and Human Emotions, that's an interesting one, uh, a, bit, a lot of Huxley, uh, The Greening of America, how I loved that book. Let, let's see, what does it say about The Greening of America? I'll read the cover to you. There is a revolution coming. It will not be like revolutions of the past. It will originate with the individual and with culture. It will change the political structure only as its final act. It will not require violence to succeed, and it cannot be successfully resisted by violence. This is the revolution of the new generation. Number one bestseller by Charles A. Reich. And uh, let's just look at see what the year was for this uh, for publishing this baby, Greening of America. It was a huge bestseller. Um, printing history, 1970, Bantam edition, June 71. So just after the hippie era, but on on those lines, it's probably probably worth a reread for what happened, what came true, and what didn't. Rollo May, man, search for himself. Rollo May, the courage to create. Herman Hess, My Belief, A Journey to the East. Ah, uh, another favorite, John Lilly, The Center of the Cyclone. Uh, Zen Buddhism, Alan Watts. And the next section is just a half a dozen. Alan Watts, Alan Watts, Alan Watts. So many of those. Cloud Hidden, Whereabouts Unknown. This is Zen in the Beat Way. A lot of stuff that just got sort of repackaged and put out in other books. Um. But that's, this is, to me, a very, very special shelf. There's a lot of neat stuff in here that uh, I'm just happy to share with you. I, I don't know that anybody else is as thrilled as I am with my library, but by God, do I love it. All right, I'm going to uh, end it there. 20 minutes, oh, sorry. All right, Scarborough Dude signing off, and uh, this is clip one. There will be at least two more clips to follow this, and there uh, you'll have a whole... Um, A whole new Dicks and Janes. Bye for now. that out. <clears throat> That's 88.1 uh, on your radio station. Um, Scammer Dude back at you, of course. Who else? As if there'd be a change. Um, and I am now at uh, Bluffers Park. It is a, uh, 2 in the afternoon, <clears throat> January 20th. And I'm here to talk a little bit more. Oh, my God. I'm I'm going to have to talk about a topic I don't want to talk about, but I have to. I feel compelled. And that is Jordan Peterson. Oh, damn it. Damn it. And the reason is, I mean, I you know, as soon as I get up, I scroll through Twitter and Instagram and so on. of course, on the Twitter feeds, there's always something by the usual suspects. You know, some people you just know their politics and who they're going to cheer on and boo against. And, uh, you know, they they want this to be very clear so that, you know, they are on the right side of things, right side of history. And of course, anybody who's against Jordan Peterson wants to think they're on the right side of history and maybe they are. And maybe I am not because I am not on the side of Jordan Peterson. I am on the side of free fucking speech. Let the man talk. Oh boy, I maybe shouldn't have said that because I know there are some people if hearing me say these very words will shout me down. You know, I've already had two people send me links of why I'm supposed to, you know, why I should know this man is dangerous and, you know, smarten up. So today, a friend tweeted. Um, with a photograph of the front page of the Ottawa Citizen, the newspaper the Ottawa Citizen. And there was a very large-color picture of the rainbow flag and a, um, a what I would take to be a transgender uh, person, looking quite beautiful. And the headline, I guess, the story it went with it was... Coalition of Ottawa Community Groups wants local Jordan Peterson event cancelled. Cancelled. There's that word. And so a lot of people, good, yeah, I'm going to sign. If there's any petitions going around to cancel his book promotion, he's put out another book, and he's doing a speaking tour across Canada, you know, for the sake, for the publisher's sake of selling this book. Because some people still want to read what he has to say. I mean, he's a pretty well-known speaker and writer. And you may not agree with him, but uh, he is an intellectual and is a man who uh, makes the news regularly, and so there is some interest. But this group, a coalition of several groups, I'll read them out to you, let's see. Um, the Canadian Centre for Gender and Sexual Diversity, one of 36 local organizations calling for the cancellation. Okay, so gender and sexual diversity because uh, of his stand on trans issues. Uh, other signatories, Council of Canadians, Horizon Ottawa, Down Community Health Centre, the Ottawa Coalition to End Violence Against Women, and Ottawa Historical Fencing Society. Hmm, not sure how that got in there. But anyway, these people want this speaking tour cancelled. And I'm saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's a speaking tour for a book. Why do you have the right to shut this down? I don't mind. Stand outside the event and with placards and signs if you want. And draw some attention that way. Make the news. But really, all you've done is given much more attention to a person you claim is dangerous. And you've just inflamed things. And I believe... It is my belief that the picture of the rainbow flag and the transgender person, it was intentionally put up there by the owners of the Ottawa Citizen to inflame people, to have the people who are either on the Jordan Peterson side or just don't know or aren't ready yet, have not yet wrapped their heads around transgender issues. They're just not there yet. It took a long time for people to accept gay people, a long time, but it's happened. And then another step, gay marriage, oh my God, oh my God, and, and, gay, and then you want, you want gay, adopt, gay couples going to adopt, yep, 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 moving there. Some people just take a little longer to change their thinking, to get on board, to, to see, and it can only happen through real communication. It doesn't come from slamming somebody down, from shutting them up. It comes from dialogue, from conversation, and this idea That would just stop this man. And I know that some of you will see no connection whatsoever. But there are people, there are predators who are forcing people into prostitution. Hooking people on drugs. I know that sounds, oh my God, you sound like some old man. I am, thank you. People who are cruel. Men who beat women. This... These are, these, are, these are the villains. These are the people. People who wage war. People who, who hurt others intentionally, physically, emotionally. And you're saying, yeah, but Jordan Peterson does that. And I'm saying, I don't know that he does. I know that he writes books and he puts forward views that are not progressive, But I just, I defend his right to say those things and and have people learn and and say, okay, I listen to that guy now. Yeah, I think he's an asshole too. I don't agree with that, you know. But the idea of just simply shutting somebody down and putting pressure on other organizations to say, you're not allowed, this man's not allowed to speak. And this happens any number of times um, on, on other issues over politics and so on. Universities have been shut down. They won't go anywhere near Anything that is is controversial, or that is danger of inflaming this group or that group, whether it's you know Palestinian issues or or you know gay rights or, or any number of issues, they just no no shut it down, shut it down. We don't want we don't want trouble on our campus, and this is exactly where these things should be, right? This is where people. I, I'd rather see Jordan Peterson being invited to speak at the University of Ottawa, or Carlton, and then have people in the audience ask him questions, say, what about this, and call him out for his misinformation, as we're sometimes seeing, certainly in the videos I've, I've been sent. But this idea of simply ganging up, getting together all these people who already, you know, have their minds made up, and, and for reasons, I know, I know, I know, I can just hear the voices, somebody saying, but Ken, Ken. If you only knew the harm he's doing, you would apologize to everybody right now. And I guess I'm I'm not there yet. It's very uncomfortable. The fact but the fact I guess I'm doing this because it shouldn't be uncomfortable. There were I mean the world is full of issues. Look what's happening, and look at the in, within these religious wars within the, the within Islam, within what's Afghanistan done to females, to women, all the other issues, were people who are harmed in far greater terms than what Peterson or J.K. Rowling are doing, and yet they're not. They're they're the target. Not it's not the. No, we're not going to go near religion or culture. No, 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 no. We're just going to attack our kind, especially if they are, well, what? White and somewhat behind behind current thinking? Oh, my God. They're surely the bad guys. And it's just... uh, I think even my own sons would be angry at me now for doing this. But it's just something is wrong. You can't stifle free speech. You can't tell a man he can't write these books. You need more dialogue. People need to. Maybe, who knows, maybe he'd come around and write a book and say, you know, 20 years ago when I was writing those things, before I had met this person who helped me see the light, now I see things differently. You know, that, that could happen. But not when you're drawing these lines of this is right, and this is wrong, and, you know... Oh, okay. Oh, God damn it. Stop. Oh, man. Stop! It's very frustrating, and clearly... I don't know, maybe, is it is it something... Is it hitting hitting a button in me? Am I revealing something in my inner self that's not caught up yet, that, I, that I'm... I don't know, I, I think... I want to just judge individuals for individuals. I want people to be seen as people and not this, this, this is what you're thinking. This is the group you belong to and we're against that group. I want people to be seen as individuals. And that includes everybody, trans people, anybody else. It's just, it's just judge a person for the kind of person they are. What kindness do they have in their heart? How much do they care about animals? How much love do they have to give? But all I'm seeing is virtual and hatred and anger. And that's not the way to change things. Ugh. Yesterday I posted a picture of um, the greening of America. Maybe I even, did I read that too? Maybe I've still got the picture here from the back of the book. Did I, did I, I don't think I talked about that. Come on, photos. Here it is. The Greeting of America, a number one bestseller by Charles E. Reich. A book that I bought in 1970, 71. That's when it came out. And it was a number one bestseller. It was just huge. And it was really about the change that was happening. It was sort of a little bit post-hippie, you know, past the summer of love, but by only three or four years, and it was for mainstream America to start catching up to changing ideas. I had it bookmarked about the session on, on marijuana use, which, you know, to a lot of people, 1970, they're not there. Whoa, that's still drugs. wasn't legalized back then, folks. And you can, you can get serious jail time in the States for that. Uh, Timothy Leary's is being locked up. Um, people were not ready. But this book, this man was trying to say, hey, there are, you know, when people get high, these are the kind, they, they become a little more maybe introspective. Maybe they become, maybe they get the kind of thoughts that are outside the normal pattern. Maybe this is not a bad thing. And then he went on to the psychedelics and other stuff. And it was just trying to explain to mainstream America, maybe, about the changes that were happening. And it wasn't done by forcing or shoving down the throat. It was coming down explanations and information and education and just all these things. So here's the cover. Um, There is a revolution coming. It will not be like revolution of the past. It will originate with the individual and with culture. And it will change the political structure only as its final act. So we're not talking about going in the streets, throwing firebombs. It will not require violence to succeed. And it cannot be successfully resisted by violence. You won't stop this progressive movement, right? This is the revolution of the new generation. And I, I just, I love that. I loved that book. And I, I just was filled with hope. Um and boy, that was uh, that was shut down. You know that didn't happen. And when you look at you know by the time Reagan got into politics and the 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 horror of the power and the greed and the worship of money and on all the things that this revolution was going to bring about, we went in the opposite direction.
0: Oh God!
1: All right, I think that's about it. I think I've uh, you know again i I will apologize to people who my style of presenting i i wasn't I'm reacting very emotionally and not you know i'm I'm doing exactly what I'm accusing other people of doing rather than quietly and and thinking through to explain but really, my beef is you're shutting down other opinions, and that's always dangerous. And I think what they did was they they said that you know, they can't have this happen on the anniversary, the first year anniversary, of the truck convoy. So they're lumping it all together. And of course Peterson probably was, uh, and people will point out to me, said things in support of the truck convoy and their right to protest and uh, uh, thank them for not, you know, resulting resorting to violence. But you can say air horns was violence, and uh, shutting it down the streets was you know pretty close to to it. But um, I, it's important to, 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 to express things, to have dialogue, to have conversation. And if I could do this around a, a table, like I said before about the, uh, the, uh, you know, Kennedy assassination, if we could actually have a conversation But transition, it's not that I need to come on board. I'm already on board. I already, I told you, I have one person. And it may be, it may be that that person may have listened to this podcast and I may have offended that person greatly by seemingly defending the the views of Jordan Peterson. I'm not defending the views. I'm just defending his right to speak and write books and do book launches and, to people okay I don't want that man silenced and thrown in jail I do if he's if he's you know stormed the capitol building the equivalent of and um you know caused trouble and and brought about violence through his actions and I think people are afraid that a certain group is going to be influenced by him but that your problem then is with that group who are going to act on it not with him and you you just you just can't you can't do that he's not a hitler i've gone too far again i'm sorry i just can't get out of this hole scarper dude i gotta i'm gonna i'm gonna have to stop now and i'll come back with something completely different maybe even give you a song to cheer you up what do they got in the radio now anything good
0: Beating in a sea, you know.
1: I've got a long list of things to talk about uh, here while I sit parked in uh, Nalco's Mazda at Bluffers Park in a, uh, Thompson Park, sorry, in a very lovely light snowfall. Um, but I, I want to get to them. I want to get through a lot. I want to uh, make up for my emotional overreaction to too many, so many things and, and talk about things that are important to me but in a rational way. And the only way I can do that is by quoting a lot of other people who are uh, deeper and more rational thinkers than uh, I could ever be. Um, just to start with, imagining a future, you know, distant future. I don't know how distant, but at a time when humans no longer eat animals, we, we no longer kill, uh, you know, in the horrible ways that we do. I mean, even... Everything. I mean, we get rid of that whole thing of slaughtering animals to eat meat, but then you want to go, I mean, the whole sort of route that vegetarians go and, and, you know, maybe you have to give up eggs and everything just to get past the cruelty of, of how we treat other living life forms on this planet. The trouble is that sort of almost goes parallel with us becoming less and less like human and more and more, you know, like artificial, and we'll leave it at that. So I'm just going to park that. I don't have any answers. It won't happen in my lifetime or in probably a few lifetimes to come. Uh, Maybe once we leave planet Earth and uh, we're not going to bring up animals to slaughter with us and we're dependent on things like you'd see on Star Trek, you know, some kind of synthesizer that just creates the things you need to stay alive. Okay. All right. But I don't want to talk about that because I don't have any information. Um, so I'm going to move on to oh, Tara Henley. Tara Henley is somebody I discovered during COVID uh, who is a writer. Uh, I don't know how I found out about her, but I was just impressed with something she had written and thought, oh, I've got to follow this person, and I do. And she has, I guess, a blog um, and more called Lean Out. So Lean Out with Tara Henley, H-E-N-L-E-Y. Definitely, if you're interested in politics and current thinking, that's somebody to, to follow through, uh, um, a reporter, a reporter. A writer, a thinker, and and lots of other things. But through her, she's directed me towards a number of things that today I've just got a a gallon of notes. That's a lot of notes. A gallon is a lot of notes. That's you know that's we're not talking just leaders here. We're talking about gallons. Um, don't label me by Canadian writer Urshad Manji. That's the name of her latest book. i I also very familiar with Urshad Manji from her books and writings and speaking. Uh, she runs a program called the Moral Courage College, uh, just getting people to think and get past biases and, and be a little more open-minded. And it's fitting with my overreaction to cancel culture. Maybe it's not an overreaction, but certainly it is a reaction to cancel culture, and suddenly I can't like Jordan Peterson, I can't like J.K. Rowling, because, 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 and um, I went on kind of foolishly about that, but these thoughts are what I was trying to get at. I just wasn't able, I don't have the sophistication, and what I'm going to be doing is quoting a lot from other people's writing that just reinforces what I've been trying to get across unsuccessfully, I think. So she wrote a book called Don't Label Me, How to Do Diversity Without Inflaming the Culture Wars. So, bam, there you go, all right? Um, Manji, this is Hershad Manji, Manji's conclusions run counter to Ibram Kendi's School of Anti-Racism, which posits that the remedy to past discrimination is, is a form of present discrimination, right? And this would tie in with identity politics, if you're familiar with that. Um, Manji rejects, too, the Robin D'Angelo gospel that treats whiteness as a kind of original sin. Now, one of the reasons, an- another one of the reasons that I left my church, West Hill United, was I was involved in the book club and and I was the one who got the group to read a book on a trans individual, which was very interesting. So don't accuse me of bias on that front. Uh, it was good discussion, and a lot of people were grateful to have had a different insight to the struggle somebody had been going through. This is a Canadian person, um, but but. Then they moved from there on to um, what was happening all over the internet about racism and anti-racism and how if you're basically, if you're white, you're a racist and you just have to own up to it. And the more you deny it, the more proof it is that you are a racist. And I was shocked when I tuned into some of these meetings of the book club of how many people were Almost proudly say, Oh, I'm, I've just, I've, I've read the book and now I know I'm a racist. And it was just like they were, they weren't thinking any deeper than before. They were just moved by somebody else's argument that, Oh, whiteness does mean racism. And I have always objected to that vehemently. And it came out when people, you had to almost post certain things on your blog or twitter account to prove you weren't or in support of this or that fuck that it didn't allow for any nuance didn't allow for discussion didn't allow for opinion just you're on this side or you're not and that's really that's really what i'm fighting against somebody telling you this is the position you have to take so take it Allah the Chinese cultural revolution, right? Or any kind of other Soviet system where this is the line we draw and you better be on the right side of it. Um, instead, so now we're back to Manji. Instead, Manji focuses on affirming common humanity, engaging in nuanced, note that word nuanced, and other people like John Meadows and other friends recognize the importance of that, Engaging in nuanced, respectful, and empathetic conversations around differences and acknowledging the uniqueness of each individual. In other words, you can't identify as black or white or this or that stop with these labels. We are individuals. And that's exactly what the whole damn Dixon and Janes podcast is about. And maybe that's the funniness of the name. Dixon and Janes is just, we're all the same. That's how you, that's how we were trained. And this is the fight for individualism. No, we're unique. No matter what color, what race, what sex, whatever we happen to be. <sighs> The so-called white straight guy, as much as a queer Muslim, I think Urshad Manji may be that, all of us are so much more than meets the eye. Part of our individuality as human beings is that we will have different experiences, different passions, and different proclivities. And therefore, we also have different ideas and opinions and points of view. And this is all she's trying to get. Don't lump them in. Or if you're white, you're this. And, and that is what's happening for a lot of people, right? And, and trying to simplify things. And, and it is not the way to go. So I'm going to go on with further quotes. Diversity, equity, and inclusion programs often seem to be devoted to ridding workers of bias against, shall we say, diverse people. These training programs they have in companies are, all right, we're going to get rid of your biases. It's like, we are going to re-educate you. We are going to teach you how to think, right? But there are scholars who found that these programs backfire. A more constructive goal, in any case, would be to broaden the project beyond confronting bias in rather to help people deal with the challenge of differences among people and groups in this highly multi-ethnic society. In other words, accept the differences we have. Don't try and say it. If I don't like certain behavior and that person happens to be black or Chinese or something else, don't call me a racist. I just don't like that particular behavior or that aspect of that culture, you know? Loud music blaring through open windows while you're waiting to pick up somebody at the gold station. That be an example. Oh well you don't like that because you're black and you don't appreciate rap or whatever, you don't know. No. I just don't like fucking loud music in a public space. That's infringing on my peace of mind. Oh, you must be racist, bull. We can tell. Anyway. You see where I'm getting at, and, and I'm sorry because I'm going to not do this justice. Courage is allowing that your own view may be but one legitimate among one among other, among many, okay? Your own view might be one legitimate one among many, right? That there are no easy answers and that your own self... Is a more gracious existence than joining a herd. And what we're seeing with cancel culture and all the people shouting out against this or that is herd mentality. Okay, and this is about the value of the individual. This is where I hope don't squash the individual. They may have ignorant views. They may like things that are different from you, but you don't. You don't force people to conform. You, you, you try and bring out the best and find out, okay? So anyway, Manji argues that instead of fixating on achieving demographic diversity, we should cultivate diversity of viewpoint. Now, I'm going to repeat that one. Manji argues that instead of fixating on achieving demographic Diversity. We should cultivate diversity of viewpoint. Now, I'm going to say something. I'm going to say something I've talked about before, and, I, and it just drives me nuts. When I was at Centennial College, and I wanted, I spoke up. I wanted a chance to teach this high-level program. It was made very clear by the person above me, <laughs> not said directly, but the message I received loud and clear. You're just a, another older white guy. You're not. You don't qualify for this program, which was, a, in essence, about diversity. And basically, all the people who were getting hired was if you're gonna new new head of this group or that group, they better be a visible minority. And this isn't me back for oh it's discrimination against the white people. It's just the the understanding of diversity was at the level of what they look like. And my argument was always, what about my children? Gosh, how Asian do they have to look to qualify for affirmative action? Oh, well, look, hey, they're partly Asian. Maybe they should have a chance over that guy who both his parents are white. No, my kids, look at his eyes. They're different. That kind of thing drives me fucking nuts. Judge the individual for the individual. And I know this, somebody else is going to, yeah, but that's not fair. We're going to have all years of discrimination. All right, let's leave that because I'm going to spoil it. Um... The emotion driving cancel culture then is not outrage, it is fear. And this is the people who are afraid to speak up, afraid, cannot have a nuanced conversation on uh, uh, Twitter or something else. And it's shutting down. And the way universities have shut down diversity of views and opinions, when that's what we need is diversity, not by skin color or anything else. Complexity of ideas and the ability to hear from people who we disagree with is critical for a functioning democracy. I'm moving on. These are quotes from other people, not just to Rashad Manji. Complexity of ideas and the ability to hear from people who we disagree with is critical for a functioning democracy. Um, and this takes us back to something else that... Um, there was a letter that came out last year, signed by 153 prominent intellectuals, including Margaret Atwood and Malcolm Gladwell. Um, and it was entitled, and I referred to this on a podcast when it came out, I believe, A Letter on Justice and Open Debate. The letter argued that what's unfolding is an intolerance of opposing views, a vogue for public shaming and ostracism, And the tendency to dissolve complex policy issues in a blinding moral certainty. That was the quote from that letter. And these are people trying to push back against cancel culture, against, you know. And this is just, you know, we're seeing it. And we're seeing it mainly from the left. I mean, you're seeing it in all the woke culture Issues that come up. of someone has identified with their group, if you're in the trans group, you, you probably, there better be a uniformity of thinking within the trans community on who who's the right side, who's the wrong side, who's good, who's bad. And same for the black community, same for this or that, and so on. And uh, here I am. What right do I have to speak as a privileged, older, white male, you know? All right. I guess um, <laughs> I guess we're done with that. Uh, that's 15 minutes. I don't know if there's anything left in this podcast. I know that, uh, it's snowing out. It's quite beautiful. I turned down a bowl of ramen. My wife offered to make ramen and I just made a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and I'd just eaten. And then she offered my son some ramen and said, do you want some too? And I said, well, not now. I just finished a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Can I save it? She, no, you can't save ramen. It has to be eaten now. So damn, I'm out a bowl of ramen. If I go home now, maybe there'll be something left over. But she said, no, you can't left it over. So maybe I'm going to be out of luck and I'm going to get home unhappy. And I'm losing out on a bowl of ramen because of you, dear listener, because I really needed to share this with you. Don't ask me why. Listen, something else, I'll just fit this in here. Listening to Slate, I talk about Slate political gab fest and love their... Just love hearing them. These are informed people talking about what's going on in America. Uh, And, of course, my viewpoints align with them a little bit. Um, But they interviewed somebody who wrote a book called the 1977 Siege of Washington, something like that. And it's a story that I had never heard of and has been forgotten in history. It It happened between the Munich Massacre... Uh, the slaughter of a few Israeli uh, um, athletes by Muslim militants and the Iran kidnapping of the American um, hostages. And this event that happened in Washington, D.C., where people were killed and a lot of people were held hostage and it was a very nasty couple of days um, of a battle within the Islamic community very, very interesting. Somebody's written a book about it, and so uh, they interviewed the author. And I'm just saying, gosh, the wonder of podcasts and the fact that you can just turn on this little device that you hold in your hand and learn so much about the world. Something else I've just found out, this program I'm watching... Uh, 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 dark. It's so confusing keeping track of characters when they move through time and you have a different actor playing the part of course, between a kid and an older adult and, and with names that you're not familiar with and Monaco likened it to reading a Russian novel you know, you just I can't keep track of who are the people here? can't pronounce that name. Um, I went on Wiki and they have the most amazing list of every character, who they were as a as a a child and who their parents were, then they did Family Trees, and then they do episode by episode. And again, it's the wonder in a little handheld iPhone or on my MacBook Air, I can follow the story by referring back to these charts and graphs and everything else to help me keep track of what's happening in time travel in dark on Netflix. Don't miss it great program. Scarborough Dude signing out from Thompson Park. Maybe this is the end but uh, I'll be back next week. Understand there's going to be a good party Friday night at Pot Camp. Yeah, at um, you know, the uh, the Imperial Pub. So st- be around for that. If nothing else, be there for the party Friday night. Scarborough Dude signing out. Bye for now. Ding dong.
0: Thank you very much ladies and gentlemen. Every now and then we have to go. No, no, we got to go. That's all. No, the law is here. (laughs) Thank you, though, for having made it. We got to split. You know who everybody in the band is. I'm not going to even call it names. It's too late. Thank you, my sweetest.